I needed to change my beliefs, I did so, and then I needed to let go and become detached from the outcome. We're adults, okay? We're in control of our emotions, our thoughts, and our lives. You're responsible, I'm responsible. They're not somebody else's fault. Hi, everybody. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome. Looking forward to speaking with you guys. Um, I wanted to offer a distinction today um, before I take questions from you about something that we seldom talk about in our society. In fact, uh, we go to Great Lakes to not talk about it, and that is death. And a lot of you have connected with my music around some of the projects I've made around my father's death and other people's death. And uh, death comes with grief for sure, but can also be one of the most clarifying and beautiful features of life. And Confucius said, everybody has two lives. And the second one starts when you realize you only have one. And the distinctions and practice I want to share with you today are based out of a book, a very impactful book by Ira Boyk. It's B-O-Y-C-K, I believe. And the title of the book is The Four Most Important Things. And if you haven't already experienced the death of a loved one, just wait. You will. Uh, it's one of the features of life um, that it ends. And unfortunately, uh, our time with one another, our loved ones, is, is finite. And I want to share with you the distinctions in this book because they changed the relationship I had with my father in the last months of his life. My father was my biggest fan my biggest cheerleader. He was a teddy bear of love and was half of the foundation, the other foundation being my mother, half of the foundation from which I live the life that's beyond my dreams. Now, the life that I feel blessed has connected with your life. When I had my biggest hit of my career so far, which was my song, I took a pill in Ibiza, I was flying high. The song was the number one song in the world. And I got a phone call. And it wasn't my manager telling me that we had sold another million records. It wasn't my agent saying I had an offer for some really cool show to do. It was my mom. And she told me, Mike, dad has a tumor in his head the size of a tangerine. And they're going to take it out tomorrow. I got on the next flight I could. I flew to Detroit. And I spent the next 10 months with my mom, my sister, trying to give my father the gift of the most beautiful death that we could. The process was challenging, intense, and beautiful. I found myself doing things for my father and in in his bodily functions that he must have done for me when I was a child. Very full circle process. I was taking care of him at the end of his life the way he took care of me at the beginning of my life. And so what I want to talk to you today about is the four things that Ira Boyk says you must do before someone dies. And these are the four things. The first is to say, please forgive me. If there's anything in the relationship between you and the loved one that maybe you feel guilty about. 
maybe you're a little embarrassed about. The opportunity to ask for forgiveness. And you need to ask for forgiveness now. Now is the time. Why? Because you don't have forever to ask for forgiveness. And when that person leaves their body, you can still ask for forgiveness, but it's a different process. And you won't hear the words come out of their mouth. You won't hear the words, I forgive you. And the words, I forgive you, are the second thing. That's the second of the four most important things to say, I forgive you. And if you notice inside yourself, I mean, often with our loved ones, they, we have the most like resentments that we build up over years. And sometimes they were little itty bitty small things, but we held on to them and we stacked on top of them. And they became things that irked us. Or maybe they really were things that truly hurt you to the depths of your soul. I'm sure you've heard from many other people wiser than me, forgiveness is for you. It's not for the other party. How long do you want to carry in your life rage, anger, vengeance, that's a poison. You don't, the, the person you feel that about doesn't feel it. You feel it. And just like in the first point, you can forgive a person after they leave their body, but it's different. You have the opportunity to do so now. So number one is, please forgive me. And number two is, I forgive you. Number three is thank you. Thank you. When a person is coming towards the end of their journey in life, they want to know that their life mattered. They want to know that their life made a difference in the lives of those that they love, those that they were close to, those that they touched. They want to know that their time on earth meant something. And if you love this person, it did. And so you can give them that gift by saying, thank you. And of course, you don't just say thank you. You say thank you for. And you tell them all the ways that they made a difference in your life. And that brings us to the fourth thing that Ira Boyk recommends we say to someone before they transition out of their body. And that is, I'm sure you can guess it, drum roll, please. I love you. Love is the most powerful force in the universe and love i say it so many times love is like water it's meant to flow when love gets stuck inside you it becomes rancid just like water and if it gets stuck for too long it turns into things like regret sadness and even hate And so it's really important that you give the love that you have in your heart. If you're listening to this, I'm willing to bet there's a lot of love in your heart. And I'm willing to bet a lot of the pain you experience in your life comes from you not letting that love out. And sometimes it's scary. We feel like, man, if I give someone all this love, maybe they won't receive it. Maybe they won't understand how much I'm giving. Or maybe they won't give me the commensurate amount of love back. And so I'll throttle down the amount of love I give to match what I think I'm going to get back. This is all just fear talking. 
You are here to give love. You're here to give love. Like Tellier said, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And so the fourth thing to communicate, to do, to say before someone transitions out of their body is I love you. That's a gift you can give them that will help them on their journey to the next step. And you might be saying to yourself, well, why, why do I have to wait to do these things till someone is dying? And that question, the answer to that question rather is, you don't. These are the things we should be doing every day anyways. And so you don't have to wait. In fact, we should all strive to do these four things all the time, every day, every, every interaction, every moment that we have with our loved ones and even strangers. And sometimes you're not going to go up to a stranger and say these four things, but you might say it with your eyes. You might say it with a handshake. You might say it with a smile. And these four things, doing them at the end of my father's life, it gave me a depth, a sweetness, a tenderness, and the most beautiful moments before he passed on. So add these to your tool belt. I hope you don't have to use them soon, but I want you to have them. So I love you all. I appreciate you. Keep going. First off, I just wanted to thank you for kind of inspiring me. Um, you, you don't know this, but I, I, uh, Completed a walk across America in 2021. So what? Yeah. So come I, on. I kind of, Let's go. Let's go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about it. I mean, it was the best thing ever. You know how it is. Like, <laughs> it changed my life. Um, yes. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> Oh, brother, I wish I could give you a hug right now. Imaginary hug will suffice. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope we meet in person sometime. Yeah, me too. I actually, real quick, um, you're, uh, I know you met Andrew Kivett. At yeah. the end, yeah, I was kind of chatting with him along the way. He was, we, I was giving him pointers because he did the same route as me just a year later. Wow. So you start, did you start, he, if memory serves me correct, he started, th I think, South Carolina or North Carolina? Well, no, South Carolina, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you went the hot route. Yeah. Yeah, you guys were in the, in the desert. It wasn't as bad. I did it in the winter. He, he, you did it in the winter. How about yeah. that, brother? Wow. Oh, man, this, is, this made my day, dude. <laughs> this made my this day made, as well. This, that's so awesome, brother. Well, how, how so my, can I be of service today for you? Yeah, so my question was kind of on that theme. So I know like you're, you're Mr. Adventure now too. And kind of how do you focus on like living in the present instead of looking on to like what's next? What's that next big adventure? Whether it be like Everest or walking across the country. Because I, I find myself struggling with that sometimes and like looking ahead instead of like staying focused and being calm in the present moment. Got it. And what are what are you looking forward to now? I don't know. I want to do the uh, Pacific Crest Trail. Hey, hey, that. me too. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we'll see you out there then this summer. <laughs> me too. And so, and what are you? What tell me where you are right now? You home? Like that's that's one of the things you're dreaming about. Yeah, yeah, I'm home now. And so, but what is life like at home? Um, well, I'm in school for physical therapy. I'm studying that. So I'm on my clinicals right now, just doing that every day. So while I'm kind of busy with that, it's a little easier to focus on the present. But 
um, just kind of like when I have like downtime and stuff like that, it's hard to like kind of take in what's happening now. Beautiful. Yeah. I got you, man. I got you. So first of all, it's really important to have both <laughs> for a long time. I, I found myself in the ditch on the other side of the road, which is I used to structure my life totally around utter and vigorous presence, trying to be like really present all the time. And the book that really, the book that impacted that, The Presence Was the Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Wonderful book, life-changing book. I've read it maybe 15 times. Okay, but I now, from where I sit, I believe you also need this inspiring vision of the future. And so in the book that, that inspired that part of what, that part of the spectrum for me is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Wonder, also a life-changing book. I, I read it 10 years ago and wasn't really ready for it. And I reread it last year and it just was so impactful. And so uh, from where I sit, you really need both. And so it's not one or the other. And I know you already know this, but we're just talking about balancing you a little bit more. You know, you're you're finding yourself on the on the other side of the road from where I was in that ditch of of being more in the present. And we want to we want to dial you into excuse me, more in the future and we want to dial you more into the present more of the time. So what are some just like simple tools you could use to do that? The good um, news I is, think well, I'm going to tell you some, but you can, yeah, but good. go ahead. You could tell me some if you already know some. Well, I know that's why I'm asking you. I don't, I, I try some things, but they've been kind of unsuccessful, I think. So that's why that's my question to you today. Yeah. Well, I'll share some things that are impactful to me because at times, brother, I deal with the same thing. Like my mind will start spinning out in the future and it's like, Ooh. And so it's a moment by moment practice. Here's some things that I, some tools I use to take my mind out of the future back to the present. The first is meditation. The meditation I use, and I've been doing it 10 years, 20 minutes, twice a day, is TM. And you can, you can sign up to learn that pretty much anywhere in the world. Uh, the website I've recommended so many people I know it. I'm not affiliated with it. It's tm.org. Now, the good news is that costs some money to learn, but I find actually that when people spend money to learn TM, they actually stick to it a lot more than if they use a free resource. But the good news is there are free resources. Um, there is Headspace I'm sure you've heard of. There's tons of stuff on YouTube. You're, you're a pretty intense dude like me, so... Um, there's retreats called Vipassana retreats and that's spelled V-I-P-P-A-S-A-N-A, I believe. <laughs> it's kind of like Mississippi, M-I-S-S-I-P-P-P-P-P-I. So these retreats are 10 days and they're intense. Okay. They're not easy. And a lot of people don't finish them. And you basically sit, uh, 10, 10 hours a day, not in one shot, but you're sitting, 10 hours a day, and it gives you a superpower. Um, it, it, it unlocks a, a level of presence you wouldn't believe. Um, and so those are cool because they're free. They're all over the world. They cover your room, your, your food, and it's donation-based. So at the end, if you want to make a donation, they go, hey, if you want to make a donation, it's over there. And that's all they say. They don't like pressure you. It's, it's a really beautiful um, organization. And the, the website, if you or anyone else wants to check that out, is dhamma.org, D-H-A-M-M-A.org. Now, is meditation the only tool? No, it's not the only tool that, that I found to get back in the present moment, get out of my head. Um, and by the way, um, if someone's stuck in the past, right? So, you know, you're asking me about the future, but if someone is stuck in the past, like they're, they're replaying 
some old event, you know, so sometimes I've been on a meditation retreat and I keep thinking about like an argument I had with some dude 20 years ago. The same tools work. The same tools work for the past and the future. So what are some additional tools uh, besides those meditation resources I just shared? Well, the breath. And the breath is like, is the coolest one. It's the most powerful one. And there, there's so many breathing techniques. We could even do, do one right now. Um, so this technique, and I believe this is like peer reviewed. And if, if one, if one wants to do a deep dive on all things breath, read James Nestor's book, uh, breathe. And it sounds like maybe you've read that already, but one of the techniques that they share in that book, and I believe this is like, they've, they've studied this, this works, um, scientifically. We can do it right now. You can close your eyes. And close your mouth. You're going to breathe in your nose. And I'm going to give you the high level and then we'll do it. So you're going to breathe in your nose for four. You're going to hold for seven. And you're going to breathe out for eight. And you're going to repeat. We'll just do like four of those. And you'll see, dude, it's actually kind of crazy. This technique, it's like, it feels like it should be harder. But you will feel a calm, a physiological calm come over you right now from doing that like four or five times, maybe even two times, but we'll do four or five. So close your eyes and I want you to breathe in your nose for four, three, two, one, hold for seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Exhale for eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. In the nose for four, three, two, one. Hold for seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Exhale for eight, seven, Six, five, four, three, two, one. In the nose for four, three, two, one. Hold it. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Exhale for eight, seven, six, five. Four, three, two, one. You can gently blink your eyes open and tell me how that felt. I'm not gonna lie. After the first one, like, just my heart stopped racing. I just felt my my heart rate go down, and by the fourth one, like, I feel like I was like in a Zen moment almost. Yeah, I, I struggle to like focus on breath work and stuff like that. I've tried countless times, but like that gave gave me like a quick, you know, calming effect. So I think I'm going to implement that into my daily practices for sure. Beautiful, brother. And you know what's so cool about that is you were probably breathing for sixty seconds. Like that was so short of a time for you to change your internal state. And what's great about it is. You don't need anyone else to do it. All you need is your own breath. You don't need me to guide you. I mean, it's so simple. Four, seven, eight. Like, you got it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's a great one. Um, there's other breathwork techniques out there. I myself am a, a Wim Hof technique instructor. Um, and that technique um, goes a lot deeper. Um, it actually, people have sometimes borderline psychedelic or religious experiences using that technique. Um, and there's a lot of resources on Wim Hof. You can get the Wim Hof app. Um, I think that app is, again, I'm not affiliated. I'll get paid. So I'm just sharing resources. Um, that app is called WHM. WHM stands for Wim Hof Method. And uh, I definitely love breath work. So I'm glad that made an impact on you and, and yeah, man, take it with you, share it. And, um, 
I love you, man. Share your art. I guess Jason already has your info, but I'd love to connect with you at some point yeah. in, the, in person or, sure. or something. Or maybe I'll see you on a trail sometime, brother. Yeah. It'll hey, happen. Yes, sir. Hey, keep going, man. I just want to say thank you for your time. Um, definitely appreciate you. And one of my questions was uh, when it comes to building a business or being successful in a specific venture or uh, avenue, how do you determine if you should still continue, even if results aren't showing up after like years of hard work or like dedication? Beautiful. Tell me, tell me a little bit about um, what your venture is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm building a kind of like an affiliate marketing business. So it's a lot of e-commerce. And I've been doing that for a handful of years, and I'm, I'm getting a lot of um, personal results from it. So I read a ton of books, um, go to a lot of seminars, meet a lot of cool people, um, develop a lot of good people skills and success skills. Um, but I know a lot of financial uh, results haven't really come from that yet. Um, I know it's like you shouldn't, uh, you should believe your beliefs and not believe your doubts. So I'm just trying to kind of figure out, um, you know, obviously should I move forward? Should I still build? Yeah. Um, how many years have you gone, been down this path? Uh, about 10 years. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So this is my experience and I've really only had one job. So, so uh, receive what I'm about to say yeah. with that context, which baffles me, by the way, you know, because I went to a, a wonderful university. I went to Duke University. And I remember thinking at the time, like all these kids were going into Wall Street and being eye bankers. And believe it or not, I actually considered going to be an eye investment banker. Can you, can you believe that? Um, because that's like every whatever all my peers yeah. were doing, and you know when I left or finished school, like I for sure thought like I would not, I'd maybe get to be like a, a an artist for a couple of years at the most, and so to to and yeah to be doing the same job now ten fifteen years later is it's incredible to me, and I looked at all my I look at all my peers that you know, went to Wall Street or whatever, and they've, they've had like 40 different jobs, you know? So, um, that wasn't your question, but I'll just no, give cool. you a little, little context. So in my experience, brother, success has always come in the way I least expected it to. It's, it's always been what I wanted, but not the way I thought it was going to happen. And in fact, my biggest success has come when I've somewhat let go of the attachment to the outcome. And I know that's easier said than done, but let me give you an actual example. After my first album, my career was pretty much considered dead. So I had a ton of success with my first hit, Cooler Than Me, and my career really just petered out afterwards to the point where I had made some money, but my calendar was empty. There was nothing to do. And people called me a one-hit wonder, which... I guess was true at the time. I had only had one hit. And like I didn't know I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I was like, no one gave me the playbook. Like I six months ago I was parading around the world, ripping my shirt off at the concerts, you know, and like, and now it's just all dried up. And I believe we get not just what we think about, but what we believe. And what I realized was I had to change my beliefs in that moment. The entire time Cooler Than Me was becoming popular, my first hit was becoming popular, I felt like there's no way this can last more than a couple years. I mentioned that earlier. Like I felt, you've heard of imposter syndrome. I felt 
crazy imposter syndrome, bro. Like I'm going on TV, you know, they're like singers. So I'm like, I don't even know how to sing. Like I just, I've, I'm a rapper. I just started singing. I'm like, dude, I don't belong here. And I thought there's no way this lasts more than a year or two. And guess what happened? It didn't last more than a year or two. I got exactly what I believed. And so imagine this moment, I'm home, my calendar's empty. I don't know what's next. I go back to like first principles. And well, I still really love making music. So I want to continue to do that. I can use this time to get better at my skills. But also I need to change my beliefs. And so I started to to brainwash myself. I started to write down lists of everything that was going to happen. Well, I was shelved on my old label. I said, I'm going to convince them to let me off this label. I need to hire new management. I'm going to hire new management. Then I'm going to go on Jimmy Fallon. I'm going to play my song and it's going to become popular. And then I'm going to win the Grammy for either album of the year or song of the year. And I would just dream about that. And I would go on these walks and in my head, Silently, I would say, I, Mike Posner, I'm going to win the Grammy for Album of the Year. I, Mike Posner, I'm going to win the Grammy for Album of the Year. I, Mike Posner, I'm going to win the out the Grammy for Album of the Year. I, Mike Posner. And it, I felt like an idiot at first, but after five, six, seven, eight ta- rounds, I'm starting to believe this thing. And my whole energy shifted. And I, I got off the label. It happened. I... I hired a new manager. I went on to Jimmy Fallon. And when I was there, it felt like a dream. It felt like I'd already done it. Song, the song got popular. And then this funny thing happened where I let go. The letting go was really important. At first, I, I was I was doing these affirmations, these mantras and like making it happen. And I felt the shift in me, but it it didn't happen. And it wasn't until I started working on Mansions One. I started working on Mansions One and I sort of forgot about my own project because I was just worried about this. And right when I took my mind off it, it really went crazy. I mean, like the song became number one in Norway. Then it was number one in Sweden. Then it was number one in Amsterdam. And then I'm looking, I'm like, I'm going to have another hit song in America. Like it's coming. And and then I get a call. One day my phone's blowing up and it's like, I've been nominated for the Grammy. for so- I mean, everything I wrote down. And it just, it started to happen. And so what I know is like, I needed to change my beliefs. I did so. And then I needed to let go and become detached from the outcome. And it was the second part that that really made it go crazy. So listen, man, I, I know you will be successful in whatever, whatever way, whatever that word means to you. And I think developing unbreakable certainty about that will serve you. And I see you take it like, you'll do that. I already know you're going to, I see it in your energy. You're going to do that. And those doubts, they may never disappear fully, but they'll just take up less space as your certainty. You brainwash yourself. They, that, that voice will become quieter and a, and a larger voice, the big you that's like, that gets shit done that's accomplished a lot of stuff already. When you look back on your life, you've accomplished a lot. That'll be the voice that's running the show. And your success, you may find just will take a different form than, than you expect. And so for you, I think you will increase the certainty, brainwash yourself, if you will, (laughs) and then let go. It is a two-step process. Awesome. Thank you. Is that helpful? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Any follow-up question? Clar- um, anything I could clarify? 
No, no. Um, no, I think we're good. All right. Well, I want to leave you one more thought. Taylor, this is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. So often when we're looking forward in life, we look at the past and we go, well, I've done X, Y, and Z. And so even when I dream about the future, it I create the future based off of the, the colors that the, the past was painted with. But I just want to remind you, this is just the beginning. Like You're going to look at your life in five years and go, holy shit. Holy shit. And so Tony Robbins says most of us overestimate what we can do in a year, but underestimate what we can do in five. And, yep. and you know, I'm just so excited for you, bro. Yeah, just thank the you, beginning. Man. Thank yeah, you. I'm stoked. So go get it, dude. Keep yeah. going. Thanks. To get to my question, it is about moving on. Um, and specifically it's how do you know when it's time to move on from a friendship? Wow. Deep question. Deep question. How do you know when it's time to move on from a friendship? I can give you some context as to what precipitated that question, if you'd like. Sure. So in 2011, during freshman year at UC Santa Cruz, I met this guy and we did not hit it off as friends at all. And then in 2020. <laughs> I, oh, right out of the gate. <laughs> not at all. I think I annoyed Glad him. I'm certain about that. <laughs> yeah, I was like a Hermione Granger nerd. Um, I think I irritated him. So in 2020, when the pandemic turned the world upside down, I had a dream about him. Like, it's odd that my dreams have a pattern with people I'm not that close to. They just show up. So I was just trying to reconnect with old friends. I was making care packages for people. And I decided to just DM them through Instagram since we were connected that way. And from there, it turned into like a deep friendship. Um, and I learned after about two years into the friendship that they were struggling with addiction. And I got to the point where I didn't know what to do. So I felt almost an obligation to stay. And I also feel like one of my purposes in life is to help others. So in a way it helped me to help someone when I wanted to have a purpose, um, during the pandemic. So. Um, we ended up getting really close uh, when other people abandoned him. And then in the past year, a whole bunch of stuff happened that really changed the dynamic of the friendship. We were like talking every day, supporting one another. It's almost like a trauma bond, to be honest. Um, and then in the past year, they graduated from med school. Shortly thereafter, their father passed. Um, and then a month after that, um, they had a near-death experience that um, miraculously they survived. Um, and they finally decided to go to rehab. So there's so many life-changing events that occurred in a friendship that didn't last that long that you wouldn't expect to happen for like 10 years of a friendship. Um, and so I'm at the point where they're now in a relationship. And with that comes you know, less attention and a different dynamic in that sense. Um, and so I'm trying to get to a point where it's like, do I stay friends with someone who has so many things going on in their life? And when we have disagreements, they deflect, don't take accountability and almost like gaslight me. Um, as overly sensitive and melodramatic. So, and I can be that way at times, but I think overall I'm being reasonable. Um, so I just don't know like if I'm expecting too much and what type of analysis what will you have, whether you stay when things get hard or you leave when things are just toxic and finding that fine line. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And I hear your heart. And I hear the how how hard this is. 
addiction is so tricky. And so I'm clear, did you guys ever have more than a friendship or was it always a friendship? It was always like platonic friendship. Got it. Got it. So this is the thing. You deserve the best and you deserve it now. So I couldn't tell you exactly what the right thing is for you to do in this scenario. I wouldn't pretend you. And, and in fact, I think you developing the wherewithal to make that decision yourself is important for you. That's what it sounds like from, from what I'm hearing. I know that a decision made out of fear, a decision made out of insecurity is usually the wrong decision. And I want to give you an assignment. And I want to give you an assignment to read a book that impacted me more than any other book last year. And that was Louise Hayes, uh, You Can Heal Your Life. And what you're going to learn how to do if you take this seriously is you're going to learn how to love yourself on a whole new level. And one of the exercises you're going to do in that book is you're going to write the sentence, I love myself, therefore, and you'll fill in the blank. Thank you. Yeah, it's a tough position to be in, but you're right. It's getting to that point where you do have to realize you deserve the best and even if it feels like you're abandoning them and there's always a potential they can relapse. I feel like in a sense, I'd be abandoning myself if I kept like this cycle of constantly giving and then constantly taking. Yeah. And here's another thing I want you to consider. I don't know if I'm right on this, but I want you to consider it. And if I'm, if I'm wrong, it'll just, it'll just roll off your back. You'll know I'm wrong immediately. But I want you to consider what you are getting out of helping him. And now it actually sounds like, from what I'm hearing, he's actually in a pretty darn good place. He went to rehab. He has a relationship. Things are good. And you're struggling because he's not fucked up anymore. Yeah. And so you're like, what's my role? I don't have a role. I'm like totally dismissed and disregarded now because I don't have any value to this person anymore. Well, that's what I want you to consider is how, what is, what is your value when you're not rescuing someone? And I want you to, I just want you to think about it, that you were getting some internal, some, some validation over, I'm here for this person when no one else is. And that was feeding, feeding a story or, or something for you. And, and then when they're not relying on you, it hurts. Yeah, I definitely developed a caretaker role. And so trying to separate that and create, not create, but understanding what my actual identity is, like putting that aside is what I need to sort out. Yeah, that's what that's. And this is gold. This is fucking gold. It's, it's not like, it's not just I, I adopted a caretaker role, but why did I? And, and, and I'm willing to bet you do that in other areas. 100%. Right. So, okay. This is like the juice of this question. It isn't, it isn't like about this guy and when do you draw the line? It's about you doing the work internally of figuring out why do I have this habit? And not only like, I'm not so into just like figuring out why you have a habit, right? It's probably goes back to some mom or dad drama. Like we all have them, right? We all have these habits, right? I, I have them for sure. But I'm more interested in then changing the habit. And so 
I want you to read the book, love yourself on a completely new level, and stop worrying so much about him and his actions and start worrying about you and yours and owning, gosh, this this habit, if I'm really honest, where else do I do this? This would be like assignment two is like write down all the places you do this in your life, other relationships. And when you do this inventory, you, it, it may be enough. You may just look at it and be like, you know what? I'm fucking done doing this habit. So that's a starting point. And I think that's where the real juice is in this question is, is, is you looking at this and changing that pattern. And I think, look, no one likes to do this because it sucks. You're like, look at this. You're like, oh, I didn't even know. But the juice and the gold on the other side of that is like a brand new life. It's a brand new life. It's a, bre- it's a breakthrough thing. So that's what I, I hope for you. I pray for you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Did, was I right on any of that? Um, yeah, there's definitely a carryover theme in my life in different facets where I take that role. I'm, I'm almost like a therapist to certain friends. Like I'm the go-to emergency call. Um, not that I want that. I just became that role somehow. And it's just a common theme with a lot of people. They're just like, oh, let's call Amanda. She's going to think in a diplomatic way to figure out how to solve this fiasco I created. And so yeah. I benefit because I want to help people. And I think in doing so, it takes away like the focus on me, maybe because I'm trying to avoid things that I don't want to work on. So I'm just constantly helping others. Yeah. You, it's a way for you to get attention and yeah. Yeah. what you think is love. But it's not it's not love the way you want it. It's not deep love. And so as I say that, I I believe even more you should do assignment 1 uh-huh. because you when you love yourself, you will you will come into relationships in a new way. And there's something that's saying I'm not I'm not worthy. So I'm going to overgive. I'm going to give in a way that's not commensurate for the relate. Maybe it's inappropriate for the relationship. And the other person and I'm going to and then I'm going to resent the other person for not doing the same. Right. And, and so, that's exactly what happens. Internalized resentment. Yeah. You're doing it though. And so you can yeah. stop it and and the first step is is exponentially loving yourself more. So assignment one, Louise Hay, you can heal your life, take it serious. And then assignment two, an inventory on, if you really just honest with yourself, what, what, what does this cost me? How does this show up? And am I, am I, am I going to keep living my life this way? Yeah. This is courageous stuff. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. This is, but by the way. No one does this. Most people just, they just bounce around like the paradigms of their, of their habits their entire life. So I really honor you for the question and I feel your commitment to more, like getting a, a, a new level. And so I just, I want to acknowledge you, honor you for your question and for your commitment to yourself. And it also, by the way, is so much bigger than you. You know, when you do this, you're, you're going to reverberate. And the love you give to other people is going to be mu- multiplied. It's going to be even more powerful than you already than you already show up. So I, I love you. God bless you. I love you too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. These habits, like the habit we just discussed with um, the most recent, Amanda, like it's so easy to to listen to something like that, or even me, as I discuss with her, go, oh, oh, like, you know, I don't have any of these, like, gosh. But we all have, we all have some habit that's not serving us. And when there's a relationship that 
is causing us pain or just something that's causing us pain in general, we want to we wanna cast blame and we want to look at the circumstances and blame them. We all do. But the more powerful thing to do, the way to an extraordinary life is realize that these circumstances are triggering a pain in me because that's exactly the place that I need to grow. Like the thing that's causing her pain is the exact place that's going to provide the breakthrough for her. And so I, I just encourage myself and everyone listening to listen to that, or you already listened to that, but to think about that interaction, not as a spectator, but as a participant and going, hey, well, where does my life hurt? Okay, well, how am I responsible for that? You're responsible for your life. I'm responsible for my life, 100%. So I'm responsible for all the great shit that happens and all the suffering. I'm in control. Like I'm, I'm sovereign. And so you're not kids anymore. I'm not a kid anymore. And it's time to take some ownership over ourselves. This is per- personal sovereignty. Personal sovereignty. We're in control of, we're adults. Okay. We're in control of our emotions, our thoughts, and our lives. You're responsible. I'm responsible. They're not somebody else's fault. Other things happen that may cause you to feel and act in a way that you've always acted. You may feel angry, may feel, but this is, this is just God or life. If you don't believe in God, you say life with a capital L showing you where you can grow, showing where you can go, you where you can go to the next level. So such a beautiful, uh, all those, all those um, calls were so beautiful and, you know, I really honor all those, all those people, Taylor and um, Amanda. And what was the first gentleman's name that walked across America? Mark, excuse me, in Ohio. And uh, gosh, that made my day too, man. What a, what a boss. What a boss. And for everyone listening, I love you too. I'm in deep gratitude. And, um, you know, before, before we do these, I just, um, I pray and I say, uh, God, command my subconscious to give me the wit, the humor, the stories, the wisdom, or whatever to say what I need to say to make a difference for somebody else. So I hope we've done that for someone somewhere. Um, and I'm just sending love, love to everyone. Love's like water, so I want to let some out to everybody. <laughs> Especially you, Jason. Love you, bro. Peace. Bye, guys. Keep going.